The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. It's a Moneyline Monday presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app on the huge show across Michigan. Make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and always use code HUGE to get the promo hookups. That's code HUGE when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app to get all of the hookups. It is a Moneyline Monday presented by DraftKings on the Michigan Sports Network. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan? It's time for the huge show. From the east side to the west side to the UP, the huge show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network. Voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE. That's 1-866-838-4843. Now, the huge one, Bill Simonson. What's up, Michigan? It is time to start up our number two on this Monday edition of the Huge Show. Superfly Hayes, our executive producer. Remember, you can always join in on the Mercantile Bank listener line, 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. And earlier, I had a chance to talk with MHSA Executive Director Mark Ewell about some of the new sports that could be coming to Michigan high schools and some of the new rules. Mark, I'm seeing a lot on social networks and online. These boys' volleyball teams are popping up everywhere in the state of Michigan, club volleyball teams. But it's not a Michigan High School Athletic Association sport yet. Not yet, but it's something that we're uh, monitoring and watching closely. And you're right, there is an awful lot of growth. Yeah, I just, that that kind of, I'm not going to speak for you, all your member schools. I'll do that later. Uh, But (laughs) I I think just by the conversation, the street talk on boys' high school volleyball and these club teams, even Jeff Risden, one of our Lions insiders from Lions Wire, I think him and his wife are coaching the club teams for girls and boys over in Zeeland. It just seems like it's really, uh, like all of a sudden it's there. Like we had discussed it the last couple, three, four years, but it's everywhere. It is, and numbers are growing, and uh, we survey our schools regularly, and what's the next boys' sport, and volleyball is is always at the top of that list. Well, what other sports pop up from your member schools? You know, the water polo community, both boys and girls. Um, Those are both still club, too? Those are both still, yep, we don't sponsor a tournament there. Um, occasionally you get girls field hockey, and then the one that we've even talked about on air a few times, and there is some real money there available from the NFL and the Lions. It's it's girls flag football. And so if you're going to add boys volleyball, you're going to need to also add a high number of girls sports, and um, that's where the flag football experience for our young ladies, um, that could be the fit and the partnership. So that's something we're really going to study carefully this summer when we meet with our schools on the fall tour during September and October, um, you know, because you got you got to find two to kind of marry or, or clip together, and I think it'd be volleyball and in flag football, it'd be the boys and girls water polo um, are probably the ones that uh, are rising to the top right now. But I think interest wise, uh, girls flag football. And this is nothing against boys or girls water polo. I'm not picking sides, but I believe if that was a spring sport. Uh, the fields aren't being used. The football fields are vacant. I know lacrosse and soccer take up time. And I think 
flag football would be a sport where a girl still could run track and play soccer in the spring. It could, yep. And then you've also got your, you know, uh, a group of football coaches that could potentially be available in the spring. The, the thing you have to balance is you can't add too many new sports to one season to where then you're going to stretch your numbers um, with your current offerings really thin. And, and that's that's the study and that's the, the big picture look that's got to happen uh, here very, very soon. And I think most ADs would say, bring on uh, 20 new sports. I have so much time on my hands. <laughs> that's also a little bit of a sell, too. So, uh, yeah, a lot of layers to this, that's for sure. When you do add a sport, how what's the process? How long does it take? For from hey guys, we're going to discuss this to the sport or sports boy and girl sport both being added because of Title Nine. How long does that take? So it can it can move uh, it can move quite quickly. So the one policy we do have in place is before we sponsor a tournament in that sport, it's got to be sponsored by at least sixty four of our member schools. So we've got seven hundred and forty eight high schools. So sixty four is obviously a little less than than ten percent. But once sixty four schools are sponsoring and playing it on a club basis, that's really the biggest hurdle to kind of get on the dance floor for consideration of it moving from um, a club sport to a varsity sport. And the last two that we've we've added in each gender were boys and girls bowling. That started off as a club sport. It grew and won 64 schools and each sponsored it. We then took it over as an MHSAA sport. And then boys and girls lacrosse was the same thing. So, uh, like I said, boys volleyball, girls flag football, water polo. I think those are all nearing the uh, the 64 threshold, and, and that's kind of then what triggers our process. Mark Hewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us in studio here on the HUGE Show across Michigan. I, I think our last conversations, the last two, there was talk you were going to meet with your executive council. Uh, some rules changes have been approved. Uh, people can find all of this information at MHSA.com, but uh, in terms of uh, out-of-state teams yep. playing them, uh, you finalized that now, right? We did. Big change there. So um, we redefined our school's travel rule as you can go anywhere you want, no longer have to count miles, go wherever you want in any border state. And when we say border state, that's Ohio, it's Indiana, that also includes Illinois. Is that all sports? All sports. Wisconsin, we also include Minnesota as a border state, as well as Ontario. So you can go to any location within any of those border areas. And the big change is, let's say that we've got a a basketball school that's going to go to Indianapolis next December for a holiday tournament. You're playing in Indy, so you've stayed within the travel limitation. In that event in Indy, you can play anybody in the country as long as that school is a member in good standing with their state association. So now these large holiday tournaments that have gone on in Chicago or Indianapolis or Milwaukee or the Twin Cities, those are now fair game for our schools to attend. And our schools that are there can now play that school from California or Texas or Florida or whatever. So the the, the push that we got that, you know, our, our schools need, need the ability to play some better competition, our rule now allows that, but yet there's also some sanity to where we're not going to be putting our teams on planes and flying all over the country. Go wherever you want within a border area, which, by the way, there's over 3,000 other high schools already within our border states. So the key is that you stay within that area, and then at that event, 
you can play and compete against anybody. So it's not only going to be a, a big change for our team sports, but our individual sports. You know, some huge individual wrestling tournaments go on in the state of Ohio over the holidays. And now, um, again, our, our teams and our kids could go to that huge invite in Cleveland or Columbus or Cincinnati and could match up with kids from all over the country. And that also works. Uh, if you look at Detroit, the bigger cities, Grand Rapids, wanting to host a high school uh, tournament with teams from all across the country, and they wanted to do it at Van Andel Arena. They can now do that. And you could get the local, you know, four local schools, and you're bringing in four teams, one from California, Florida, Texas, New York, whatever. They can do that now. They could do that. Um, might be a bit of a tough sell getting the California and Florida teams to come here to Michigan oh, in, in the December, winter. But, come on. But uh, that could now happen by rule, yes. Uh, and anything else uh, along the lines with your executive council that, that will affect uh, the 2023-2024 high school sports year in Michigan? That was the biggest change. You know, we made a, a few little slight modifications um, to some of our undue influence or anti-recruiting rules. So much of that traffic is now moved to the world of social media. So we've now got some new guidance. We really modernized what our rule was to where um, there really is no reason why adult coaches should be following middle school kids who don't attend your school. Um, so that's something we made those lines a little bit. You brighter. mean high school coaches? Yeah. Because if, if, if that's I'm, recruiting, right? Yeah, yeah. If I'm the high school coach at Central High School, um, I'm not sure why I'm following a 7th or 8th grade kid at Western Middle School, um, not in our district. Um, not really sure why I'm following them on social media. Uh, to me, an adult following a, a 13 or a 14-year-old raises lots of different red flags, um, recruiting only being one of those. So, again, we made the lines brighter for everybody to understand um, when it comes to that world of social media and adults connecting with kids. Well, what about recruiting? Uh, when you look at it with your team at the Michigan High School Athletic Association headquarters in Lansing and Mark Ewell, executive director of the MHSA, joining us in studio here on the Huge Show across Michigan. How rampant is recruiting? Because a lot of people will talk and say, oh, every private school is just recruiting kids and they're taking them from this school over to this school. You hear it. Whenever a team's not good at one school and a private school's good, the parents are screaming, hey, the other school's recruiting. From your vantage point, running the Michigan High School Athletic Association, public and private schools, uh, how much recruiting do you think is going on? So I'll start this answer with some data. So our membership is approximately 76% traditional public high schools. Every year we run the numbers, we award 131 state championships in a given year. So we're now two weeks away from 131 trophies being handed out with with handshakes. Um, our rolling average the last three years, so if it's 77% of traditional public high schools, our rolling three-year average is 71.5% of our state champions are also public high schools. So that whole concept of, you know, well, we've got almost three quarters of our schools are public, but the privates are winning all the state championships. The data does not suggest that. You then take that data the next step and say, okay, in a dual sport, what two teams, what what are the kinds of schools that are reaching the championship game? 
or in an individual sport, what kinds of schools are finishing in the top five. You run those numbers over the last three years. The schools that reach the championship round or the finals is 74.5%. So our teams that are winning and teams that are reaching the finals, when you go all sports across the board, is almost on the number of what our membership profile is. So first of all, you know, everybody who says that, you know, we, we need to separate them or make radical changes, the data does not suggest that. Um, recruiting in this day and age, Bill, and I, maybe I'm a little bit more of a cynic as I've been in this business for a long time, but if all the recruiting that some people suggest happens, you're telling me that every one of these stories must turn out perfectly for everybody involved, that everybody's happy at the end of the story. Because you believe in this day and age with social media, if I've been quote-unquote recruited somewhere and it didn't turn out the way that I had hoped or wanted. You're talking or at the high school level. At the high school level. That, you know, I get recruited, and I'm doing the air quotes thing as I say this, but get recruited to this high school and the promises that were somehow made that that doesn't all turn out perfectly. In this day and age, you think people don't go to social media and tell their story? And those stories just aren't out there. So what I think happens is you get a lot of athletic parents, athletic moms and dads, who think their kid is pretty good. And, well, what they're going to do is they're going to kind of shop their kid around that before my freshman year, here are the three or four different schools that are, quote-unquote, interested in my kid. Private schools, right? Private or even public. Moving, you'd have to move there. You would have to uh, move yeah. there. But I think the amount of, of recruiting that you know everybody's convinced happens, I think, is far overblown. Because, like I said, if there was actually that much recruit, I mean, you see at the at the college level, every kid gets recruited, and where kids end up, there's a lot of unhappiness right there. Just look at the transfer portal, and if this was really going on at the high school level, I think we'd hear a lot more of uh, of those stories of uh, of uh, unfulfilled dreams and, and broken promises. So, yeah, yeah Izzo was this on the show uh, last week? Said the same thing. He says a story no one's talking about. Uh, he says, I think there could be 1,300-plus kids left hanging in the transfer portal who left a school they were at Yep, on scholarship. With and, no chair when the music's going to stop. And, and no place to go after you got that. It. And I think high school, if, if a parent, you have this right, and when your kid's in 7th or 8th grade, if you think that private school uh, is a better fit for your kid academically, athletically, you have that choice to move that boy or girl there. And if those parents choose to do that in 7th, 8th grade, before they reach high school, that's their choice. I think that some will call that recruiting because mm. the parent did it. Sure. Right? And I and I look at a, if a kid moves from Troy to Grand Rapids and the dad takes a job and he wants to move wherever the best hockey team is or track program or America. soccer, they have that right. It's America. But everyone thinks every private school has a complete real estate market for uh, incoming kids, right? That That's the perception that some have. And um, living in this world every single day, that is simply not factually true. So what is your biggest challenge, you think, with you and your team when you talk at the headquarters in Lansing, uh, your executive council you turn to, member schools? What is the biggest high school sports challenge right now in the state of Michigan? I think it's participation numbers. Um, still kind of post-COVID, still getting our arms around how many kids are playing and, and making sure that we support um, 
the sports that we have. You know, football numbers have been a real challenge over the last five to ten years for a number of different reasons, and I think that player safety and concussions is only a part of it. Um, I think the hard work and, and what goes into getting your body ready to, to play tackle football. Um, so challenges continue in football. But yet um, I also look at, for example, softball, the number of our schools um, 10 years ago that would have a varsity, a JV, and a freshman team. Those freshman teams have almost disappeared, and a lot of our big schools, Bill, can't even feel the JV softball team anymore. So that's why when we talk about expansion and new sports and new opportunities, yeah, you got to give the, the new activities some attention, but you also can't do that um, to the detriment of what you're already sponsoring. So it, it's Figuring out what kids want now, because I think that the needs and interest of kids today is different than what it was 20 years ago. We've got some sports where we're seeing great growth, other sports where we're seeing um, really drastically declining numbers. And we need to make sure that our uh, program of offerings is matching what kids and families and communities and our schools want. And uh, those answers aren't easy because the answer of something that may make sense in, in Grand Rapids or West Michigan is different than it is in Detroit or it's different than it is in the Thumb or it's different in the UP. The 748 high schools we have, what's great is our diversity in size and in the, the school culture and background. But yet when you're trying to provide a program where everybody plays by the same set of rules, that uh, diversity and differences of schools can also be uh, our greatest challenge. And I think the challenge, whether it is post-COVID, and a lot of it is cyclical with a culture in a school district. It may be a wrestling school district. They may be great in uh, girls softball like Waylon has been for years. Uh, It could be... uh, Four Hills Eastern has 53 kids on their varsity roster right now. 53. Yep. Which is a my and, and will field a freshman and JV team. Yep. And again, that's a Division Four football school, but they couldn't field a girls JV soccer team. Right. So that, and again, is that based on just the cycle of kids in that school where you didn't have enough girls who play uh, soccer, but you have a ton of kids who love football, right? It is. I think part of it's cycling, and, and I'm sorry, to, when you boil it down to its most basic element, in my opinion, being in the business for 30 years, the single biggest factor that determines participation numbers in culture in a program is it all starts and ends with the quality of the coaching staff. Amen. I'm with you one million percent on that, that you can look at any school district in this state. If you're listening in the UP right now, Houghton Hancock, Calumet, Copper Country, and WMPL. If you're listening down on 96.5 The Cave and Adrian in Southeast Michigan near the Ohio border, all of you who have either played high school sports, who coach, an administrator, or a parent, you know the coach who is creating a culture, boys and girls, and you can see it in your school district. And again, that's a big challenge for these coaches to give up so much time for our kids. It's one of the great things that you'll see in life, the dedication of these coaches and teachers, by the way. It's in the classroom and on the field. And I think a lot of it with how teaching and and the cycle we talked about, you need that coach who's teaching in that school. It's a big difference. That is a big – when that coach of that sport is teaching in your school – and he or she can have them in class, 
can see them in the cafeteria before school, after school, you know, working out, uh, wherever it is. I think that is really big. Culture is directly connected to relationships. And when you have a, a full-time person that is in the building, building relationships with your, your athletes during the school day, I think those only get, get those bonds only get stronger after school with that staff. And you mentioned Whalen softball. Why has Whalen softball been so good for 30 years? Two words. Sherry Ritz. Amen. Sherry Ritz has been the head coach there uh, during that entire time. And yet another example of somebody who builds relationships, somebody who's built the right culture, and uh, success begets more success. But also in today's society, the 30-year coach, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that anymore, Mark, unfortunately, because parental influence, club sports, when a kid, boy or girl, has played on that club team and You've paid for it. When they get to high school, you think there's a sense of entitlement. Absolutely. That they should be playing. And I have seen it at many schools uh, in West Michigan and coaches I know out of here who say, I'm just getting out. Yep. It's not where, and, you, and, you, and you hear that. My next question will be with referees. I've learned a lot as, as, as the kids have gone along, Mark, just because I, I do look at things. I'm not on referees like I was back in the day when my kids were first starting to play sports and I'm acting like I was playing, right? Right. I, I kind of sense, and I think it's post-COVID. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think it's post-COVID, and you and I were on the air through all that, that those referees who still showed up when the sports were coming back allowed them to play. Those men and women, uh, refereeing, umpiring, doing all that, uh, showed a lot, and most of them do it because they care. They're not getting rich. Some do it to stay in shape, and they just kind of still feel they're going back to the good old innocent days of high school sports. And I, I hope the umpiring, the referee numbers are bouncing back as we've all dug out of this pandemic. They are. We're actually uh, a year ago. We finished the year with about eight thousand registered officials, and this year we're up just a sliver under eighty five hundred. So almost an increase of 500 new officials this year, which we're excited about. And again, if, if your listeners are interested in getting involved, MHSAA.com, hit the officials button to become an official. But if you have no interest in that, how can you help us uh, attract and keep more officials when you go to your next kid's game or your grandkid's game or whomever's game and you see a call that you maybe don't agree with, just count to 20 before you feel the need to yell something and just treat those folks in a striped shirt or a yellow shirt or a blue shirt with common decency and respect. And that would go a long way toward helping um, our numbers. It's interesting. A lot of our adult spectators seem to have a pretty high standard of performance for the officials. But when it comes to their own conduct and behavior in the game, that standard tends to be a little bit lower. And you just common decency and respect. You're not going to agree on everything, but uh, everything uh, doesn't uh, have to become the, the Lincoln-Douglas debates either. Yeah, and with our four-year plus relationship on and off air, Mark has introduced a great program, Superfly, that I use at my kids' high school sporting events. It's called Count to 1000, Bill, and immediately leave the premises. <laughs> no, I, and now I see it because you, you learn, you know, child three is through high school. Right. You know, child four and five are, uh, their children four and five are in sports. And I kind of learn with like, yeah, there's a couple times where you'll be like, what the heck? And I found with me, I'll step away. I don't sit in the bleachers. I stand off to the side. Uh, because if 
I'm going to grimace, say something. I kind of say it to myself, right? Sure. And But I have learned through my children. You bet. I have. And those officials, you know, soccer officials especially, man, they, they go, there's a lot. That's the most physical sport to referee, uh, umpire, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's, it's amazing uh, what they go through. From Grand Rapids to Detroit, this show is huge. Hey, it's Brett from the Michigan Sports Network. For my friends on the DraftKings Casino app, uh, so if you like playing slots, roulette, blackjack, all the casino games, well, the perfect place to play those is on the DraftKings Casino app. And right now, if you're a new customer and you sign up using promo code HUGE, all you have to do is deposit $5 or more and get a match on that first deposit and score up to 2000 bucks in casino bonus funds. Just sign up using promo code HUGE and you could be winning money in no time. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you're ready. Just download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with promo code HUGE and get a match on that first deposit of $5 or more up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Only on DraftKings Casino with promo code HUGE. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up, Michigan only, one per opted-in customer. Minimum $5 deposit, max match $2,000. Deposit and bonus amount require 15 times playthrough within 30 days. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice. Restrictions apply. Huge here for all the Mr. Car Wash locations across Michigan. You're going to want to look into that unlimited monthly pass that I use. Superfly Hayes, my producer, uses it. I can get my SUV washed as often as I like for one low price. You can sign up today. Just go to MrCarWash.com or stop by your local Mr. Car Wash location here in Michigan for the one close to you. And to get that unlimited pass, go to MrCarWash.com. Disturbed the Take Back Your Life Tour. Labor Day Monday, September 4th at Soaring Eagle. And same show, same night, Stained. Tickets start at $34 and on sale now at the Soaring Eagle box office or etix.com. Party hard, rock harder. It's been a while. Disturbed and Stained. Labor Day Monday, part of the Soaring Eagle Summer Outdoor Concert Series. Roast Umber is a farm direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. And also the Nitro Cold Brew Coffee is a convenient and healthy option for energy with no sugar additives. Look for it at your local retailer or at RoastUmber.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Dan Watson, new head coach of the Wings, top farm affiliate, the Grand Rapids Griffins, is standing by on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. How you doing, coach? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. All right, take me through the process. Uh, so you're down in Toledo with the Walleye in the ECHL. You guys are going through a nice playoff run. When do you first get that call or interest from Detroit in asking you, do you want to move up and take over the Griffins in Grand Rapids? Well, it was a it was a lengthy process. Let's put it that way, but it was enjoyable. Um, 
you know, like you said, going through the playoff run there and then obviously expressing interest in the job. Uh, it happened, you know, a few days after everything went down there at the end of the season in Grand Rapids. Uh, and then from there, they were extremely respectful of what we had going on in Toledo. Um, you know, I did meet with them, uh, you know, via a Zoom call and, and uh, was able to present some material uh, regarding hockey and then how we like to play and how I like to play as a coach. Uh, you know, spent some time there. And then and once we lost out in the conference finals, I was able to get to Detroit, sit down with Steve Eiserman, Sean Horkoff, Chris Draper, and Dan Cleary, and, and really show who I am, what I'm about. And, and uh, you know, I, from there, it's just conversations on the phone. And, um, again, it was uh, about, a, about a week and a half ago here today that uh, Sean called and, and offered me the job and um, couldn't be more excited. Dan Watson, new head coach of the Wings Top Farm affiliate, the Grand Rapids Griffins, joining us uh, here on the Huge Show across Michigan. 14 years of paying your dues as an assistant coach and a head coach in the ECHL. Uh, what did you learn that you were able to deliver in front of Stevie Y and the executive team with the Wings that you think sold them on making Dan Watson the next head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins? Well, I think the way I go about my business, um, you know, the way we create a, a great environment, a learning environment for our players, uh, a culture that's sustainable. It's not just about one or two years of success. It's multiple years of success. Um, you know, I know there's a stat out there about 56 players that came from Toledo, went to Grand Rapids in the six years. I was a head coach. I'm really proud of that. Just trying to keep guys moving on and moving up. That's what it's about. And I think, you know, that's the period they're in right now. There's going to be a lot of young players in Grand Rapids who the hope is that in two, three, four, whatever their development process is, they're in Detroit helping them win a Stanley Cup. And so I just think the, the ability to work with young guys, uh, get them to trust each other, get them to play for each other, understand that there's individual goals and team goals, you know, that's, that's I think, what kind of uh, hopefully put me over the edge. Ton of talent. Uh, the wings, you know, a lot of people are waiting. When are they going to make that next move? You've been there in Toledo. You've seen the process from Toledo to Grand Rapids uh, to the NHL with the wings. Uh, what's missing from accelerating that? Is it just more experience? Is it better conditioning? Is it uh, a different offseason for the younger players? What would you say is the number one thing you need to address or are addressing right now after taking over in Grand Rapids? There's a lot of young guys with, with limited pro experience. Um, you know, I know in Detroit they're trying to build a core that can stay together. Hopefully some of these young guys who have been a first or second year pro can jump into that core at some point in time here quickly. But again, it's, it's getting these young guys experience, getting them to develop mentally, getting them to develop physically, getting them to become pros every single day, uh, and then understanding what it's going to take uh, to make the big jump to the NHL. Um, and I think that's the first thing that I have to make sure I've got a good grasp on is get to know these kids, uh, get to know where they're at in their development process and make sure that we're continuing the right way with these young guys. You know, when you look at the previous coaches and you see Blash and Ben Simon and now yourself, and there's a lot of connections and similarities between all three of you, uh, what do you see that is similar and what is different from the previous head coaches here in Grand Rapids? Well, I think, you know what, all those guys you just mentioned, they're, they're well-respected around the league. They're very detailed. They're hard workers. 
Um, obviously, Blash having the ability to win a championship there. Todd Nelson even winning a championship there. He's, he's trying to do it again here with the Game 7 in the American League. And then Ben Simon as well. I mean, one thing I think that separates me is, you know, I've been in one spot for so long. Uh, I can carry that patience a little bit. There's going to have to be some patience with this next wave of players here. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be mistakes on the ice that need to be corrected. It's not going to be a perfect game every single night. Uh, and I understand that and respect that. And so, again, that culture inside the locker room for me is number one. It's extremely important. I believe that if it's, if it's strong in there, uh, it does carry out onto the ice. That's what I'm looking for, number one. And then just the patience of, of making sure that these kids are continuing to develop to be ready for Detroit. Yeah, because you look at culture, you look at youth, which sometimes building culture with youth is really tough because you need those quality veterans off the ice, on the ice. And you use the keyword patience because there can be patience in Toledo or Grand Rapids. But when you look at an NHL franchise, you look at a city name called Hockey Town, even with Stevie Y, sooner or later you have to start making the playoffs and taking the team to the next level, no matter who you are as a GM, no matter who's on the ice in Detroit. Yeah, you do. You know, everybody wants to make playoffs, and and the goal is to make those sooner rather than later. Uh, but you need you need good players. You need people that are involved and, and trying to do this the right way. And I, I really believe that with all these draft picks that are coming up, uh, you can still win in Grand Rapids with the youth. And I, I do believe that there will be quality veteran guys who can help show them how to do things the right way day in day out whether it's at the arena away from the arena those guys are going to be special and they're going to be a big big part of what happens here it might not be this year but two three years down the road these young guys when they make that leap they're going to look back and and be able to thank these veteran guys that showed them how to do the things the right way and that's the biggest piece is making sure that we get the right guys uh, to show these young guys how to do it. I, I'm excited uh, to work with these older players, uh, the players that have experience, uh, and, and make sure that they're able to share those experience with their young guys. Dan Watson, new head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, Wingstop Farm affiliate, joining us on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. So I know you're probably nowhere close to being settled in West Michigan yet, but as Randy Cleves, the Griffins Media Relations Director, told you how great the Cincinnati Bengals are. No, you know, first question, because I actually live in Cleveland in the offseason. Uh, yes, the first one of the first questions, yes, if I was a Browns fan. <laughs> and uh, growing up in Ontario, I didn't watch the NFL, so I can say I'm, I watch the Browns because they're on TV here in Cleveland, but I'm not an actual super fan, diehard fan. So he, he's, you know, I could see him, a sigh of relief came, <laughs> came out of him when he talked about the Cincinnati Bengals. So I do know that about Randy. And one thing I know about you, that Anthony Bellino and the huge show is part of the Michigan Sports Network, and Anthony Bellino is host of X's and Bros, heard weekday mornings in Toledo and across a lot of Michigan, and a partner with the Michigan Sports Network, so he spoke highly of you. Dan, uh, good luck. Welcome uh, to Grand Rapids in West Michigan, and the Wings uh, bumped you up from Toledo, and we'll stay in touch, okay? I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time today. Everything huge, 24-7 at He hasn't made a putt all day, but if he makes this one, we're all cracking a Labatt. Hold it, did you say if your buddy makes this putt, we're all cracking a Labatt? How about a Labatt Blue Light? Uh, yeah. 
Hey, buddy, you can do it! It's a left to right break, just outside the cup, a touchdown hill. Appreciate the support. You guys mind if I putt now? Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Best putt ever. Because making the big shot is better with a big crowd. Labatt takes everything to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, 2023, Labatt, USA, Buffalo, New York. All rights reserved. Labatt Regulations, U.S. Trademark of Labatt Brewing Company, Limited. Hey, buddy, where's my Labatt blue light? He made the putt for crying out loud. I want my Labatt blue light. Hey, sports fans, here's a hanging curveball that you can knock out of the ballpark. This is Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball, inviting you to step up to the plate at Eagle Casino and Sports, the mobile sports book where you can bet on all your favorites all year round, including, of course, our national pastime. So download the app and start winning today. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 years or older and in Michigan to play. Make sure you listen weekly to our Moving Ferris Forward interviews with Ferris President Bill Pink and other leaders who are moving Ferris forward. Find out more about Big Rapids and Ferris and what they have to offer at ferris.edu. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Clayton Safey from TheWolverine.com. He's standing by. I shared the tweet and the Facebook post that there's now a, a Beat Georgia. How, how does that go? A, a segment, a moment during practices that I love this, that Harbaugh's raised the bar from just beating Ohio State or winning the Big Ten to now winning playoff games or the natty. Yeah, and they implemented uh, so their nine-on-seven drill, which is you know a typical – run game drill between the tackles, you know, smash mouth football. They renamed that the beat Ohio drill two years ago. They haven't lost to Ohio state since. So who knows? Maybe it'll work. Um, you know, you got to get to play Georgia, uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to beat Georgia. So a, a lot of, uh, a lot of games to go between now and that opportunity, but Michigan's going right at them. You know, they understand that Georgia's the class of college football right now. They've kind of overtaken Alabama, at least for the time being, you know, Alabama could get that right back in, a, in an instant here this fall. But two straight national championships, they're the favorite to win a third straight. They'd be the first uh, three-peat team in college football since, I think, Minnesota in the 1930s. So it would be an incredible accomplishment. So Georgia is at the top right now, and Michigan's aiming towards that. Now you get the jokes, you know, should have the beat TCU drill. Completely fair. They shouldn't have lost that game. Uh, but at the same time, I think we all understand that Georgia's kind of on another level right now. Michigan's going to go right at them. I don't know exactly what that drill entails, um, you know, but I would imagine it's pretty intense because, you know, we continue to hear from these guys. They want to beat Ohio State again. They want to beat Penn State. They want to beat Michigan State to win the Big Ten. But they're still kind of looking back at the college football playoffs and realizing they want to make it even further this year. So that's been a big source of motivation. And personally, uh, I think it's a, it's a great idea. They're going right at it. They're attacking their goals head on and, as Jim Harbaugh said in the past, if your goals aren't, uh, people aren't laughing at you for your goals, then you haven't set them high enough. And there's some people laughing on social media, so maybe they're right on track. Well, what are you laughing at? They're going to be, uh, you know, they have 
outside of Williams at USC, the best quarterback yeah. returning in the country in JJ, and they have a better defense and a more complete team uh, than USC does. So that's not hyperbole, but I think there's just a lot of Michigan haters. Even I was talking to people where I'm like, look, I, I think Michigan State's going to struggle to be a 500 team. Michigan's in the national championship hunt. That's not playing favorites. It's the truth right now. It is. It's reality, yeah. And look at, you know, the Vegas odds and everything else. I mean, Michigan's right there as the Big Ten uh, favorite. You know, they'll probably be picked there in the, the preseason poll by the media, which, by the way, doesn't have a great track record, so I'm not sure they want to be there. But, uh, you know, they'll be right up there, top three, top four, every preseason magazine you see. Uh, you know, Michigan State, obviously, you know, struggling right now and trying to get back on track and make a bowl game. But, uh, you know, and there are plenty of schools in, in both of those boats, but Michigan right now, with what they have coming back, should be aiming for something like this. Um, and as, as we saw, you know, two years ago, when Jim Harbaugh took the stage at Big Ten Media Day and said, we're going to beat Ohio State or die trying, of course, he had some haters come after him then as well. Um, but at the same time, if you're good enough to beat Ohio State, you're probably good enough to beat everybody else on your schedule. And we saw that last season outside of the, the college football playoff game. So if you're good, good enough to beat Georgia, not that naming a drill makes you, you know, good enough, but trying to attack that, uh, you know, can certainly help. If you're good enough to beat them, then you're probably good enough to beat anybody else. So it's, I think it's the right way to approach it. Well, think about how close uh, Ohio State was to beating Georgia in that other semifinal. I mean, and they, they if they make that field goal, they uh, yeah. I bet my life on it, they go drill uh, TCU or at least win that uh, game in their national champ. So I, I don't think Georgia's a world beater. You know, Bryce Young has gone from Alabama. I'm looking at, you know, Texas. I'm going down the list. Clemson, the, the usual uh, – teams that are there in the national title hunt, the Oklahomas. I know USC with Lincoln Riley now has emerged as all of a sudden this instant national uh, champion. I, I just like Michigan. I, I really do. I, I think they're going to run the table. I think they're going to win it all. That same focus they had to get by Ohio State back-to-back years, win back-to-back Big Ten titles. I think they're going to make it the trifecta, and I believe they're going to go undefeated. People are coming after me, Clayton, when I said uh, what is it, 15-0? and 0? Is that the final number if they win the Big Ten yeah. championship? Yeah, yep. in the two playoff games. Yep. So I said 15-0 and 0 for Michigan, 14-3 and 3 for the Lions, and if they get a home field advantage with 14-3, and 3, they're going to the Super Bowl. And I said 4-8 and 8 for Michigan State. And now I'm a, I'm a hater and I'm a Michigan homer. But if I say I like Izzo and the Spartans possibly to win it all in hoops, in the spring of 2024, oh, no, oh, no, Bill Bill isn't a hater, right? Right, right. I'm getting yeah, irritated, no, man. I don't know if it's a smoke show. in the air or something. That's true. You're the only show that tells it how it is. That's, That's why I bring on Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com. He's joining us. Clayton, I did share one of your tweets about the post-spring uh, depth chart. Both sides of the football for Michigan. What, what do you think, and from that story, what would be your biggest surprise or any Michigan fan who went and looked at the story at thewolverine.com or Clayton Safey, S-A-Y-F-I-E on Twitter, and read that story here tonight? What would be their biggest surprise about that Michigan football post-spring depth charts? Yeah, it's a good question. We got the offense out today, defense tomorrow, but the offense – um, and, and we can talk about the defense too, but offensively, what, what's interesting to me is 
this is an offensive line with just you know, such high expectations coming off of two straight Joe Moore awards. They got three starters back, and yet really both tackle spots are kind of up for grabs. They have a few guys contending there, uh, and they still need to solidify who's going to win those, probably in fall camp. Wouldn't be totally shocked if they uh, brought those competitions into the season, maybe in the non-conference with how weak that non-conference schedule is. But Ladarius Henderson's a guy who we slotted in at left tackle as a starter, Arizona State transfer, but uh, he just joined the team this summer. I mean, he still has to do it. And frankly, he played mostly guard at Arizona State, so it's going to be a little bit of a transition. But there are some numbers there uh, at tackle. It's really crowded where uh, you feel like your second stringers could start uh, just about almost anywhere else in the Big Ten. So you have the depth, and I feel like you should feel confident in what's going to end up transpiring there. We just don't know what will end up transpiring. So that's something that we'll be watching during fall camp. Uh, and then defense as well, just kind of how the combinations shake out on the defensive line. They're about, it's kind of similar, about four or five guys at the edge rusher spot that could emerge. We just don't know which ones are going to be the ones that are in on, a, on every down basis or if they'll go with more of a heavy rotation. So there are still some things with this team that doesn't have many question marks uh, to work out. And, uh, and, and those will be interesting to track. But uh, the scenarios you go through in your head of how things could play out, a lot of them are pretty favorable for Michigan. My man, I appreciate the conversation. Can't wait for football season, man. We're you know, nearing that two-month mark. Uh, that would be great. Uh, we'll connect soon. Clayton, tell your family I said hello in Grand Rapids. Will do. Yeah, 66 days away. Who's counting? Big. Bad. Huge.